Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number twin one twenty-five. Now let's go right to entertainment star Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at the weekend that was at Watkins Glen as William Byron dominates, getting his fifth win of 2023. Also, later on, we will look ahead to Daytona, the final race before the start of the NASCAR playoffs. We'll lay out the playoff clinching scenarios and give our picks and break down the playoff picture coming up. Also, busy news day as well. We'll have the latest on 2311 racing and their future, Stuart Haas, and more coming up in our news and notes segment. We'll also have our Ask David segment at the end of the show as well. David Starr is with us as always. David, no shortage of things to talk about this week. How are we doing? Man, doing great, man. Just uh, been busy working, and uh, man, it's been hot here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Temperatures have been just unbelievable hot, you know. Uh, but man, there's a man, there's a lot going on in in our world of auto racing today. And uh, man, what a what a great race Sunday was! Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, Dom. Uh, David brings up a great race. They say beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? And <laughs> I hear some people complaining, like, "Oh, it's boring race. NASCAR need more cautions." More excitement. Couldn't pass anybody and all this. We need to make road courses more exciting. And then, like, out of the other mouth, I hear people saying, what a beautiful race. Not many cautions. Just real smooth. Everything decided on the track. NASCAR didn't get in the way. I mean, Dom, I I enjoyed the race. I'll admit it wasn't the most exciting, but – I personally like not having the cautions at the end of stage breaks, letting it keep going, the flow, race under two hours and everything. I, I was a fan. What did you take away from Sunday? Oh, I think so too, right? You're going to ask 40 people are going to give you 40 different answers on what they thought of the go bowling at the Glen race, but it was a good race. I thought we saw a lot of passing. We saw one caution flag. We saw some good restarts when those did happen at the start of the restart, no, the start of the race rather, and at the restart with what 25 laps to go. And it was good racing. If you want to just take a raw product, there was some good passing all along the racetrack. And, and I get it. They strung out. And I remember telling somebody, if this race plays out like how it did at Indianapolis, the guys starting up front are going to likely be the ones that win, barring some sort of mechanical issue, like we saw with Michael McDowell. Certainly his race to lose. Took the lead early, had the, the penalty on pit road, starts bouncing back from that, has the engine issue. So you started up front, you knew this race was going to run up front and and have the chance to be strung out. That's what we saw on Sunday. It was definitely a repeat of the Indianapolis Grand Prix, but you know, I know we're not going to see that this upcoming week in Daytona. We'll get into that later, but it was a nice break, Tyler, to see two races in a row go with one caution. I remember somebody tweeting out that that's the first time since the 1970s that you've had two races back-to-back that had only one caution. Yeah, pretty incredible that it worked out the way it did. And I think of it this way, Dominic, um, it felt like an F1 race to an extent. I know that we're always comparing to F1 and F1's mark in the U.S., but you think about it, a road course race at Watkins Glen, we know F1's got a long history there, um, used former home of the United States Grand Prix, um, but you know, not throwing out cautions just to throw out cautions like we see 
you know, F1. It's got to be pretty serious if they're throwing out a caution. Um, emphasis on qualifying, tough to pass. Every position matters. Like, I, I felt like I was watching an F1 race. And, and if you're a, a fan of open-wheel racing that's trying to watch NASCAR, I think that was the type of race to try to pique your interest of some sorts. That was a a clean, well-run race in that regard. Certainly, certainly. You have guys running on long green flag runs. How are they going to go on pit stops? How do they come out of that? Who's ahead of who? How many seconds can you make up? It was great racing. And, and David, from a historical standpoint, right, everybody calls me the unofficial historian, but I really think that title deserves to be with you because – you really think about the sport and the history with it. David, you grew up watching a lot of these greats and William Byron winning on Sunday. That was his ninth career win. That ties him 64th on the all-time wins list with Cotton Owens, Paul Goldsmith, and Bob Welborn. So you're in conversation with guys like that. You're starting to climb up this wins list pretty fast. He's gotten five of those nine wins this year. And I mean, pretty cool, David, to see that William Byron is starting to catch some of these guys next up on that wins list, Clint Boyer, Donnie Allison and Sterling Marlin. Yeah. Donnie just went in, uh, you know, will be inducted into the hall of fame this year. Uh, but William William Byron just dominated the race. It was amazing, uh, how fast and how good he was. was, I was just so surprised by that. You know, William Byron's had a breakout year this year, guys on fire. Uh, I would have never thought I would have seen a performance from him on a road course like that, but it was impressive. And, uh, you know, those uh, top four or five guys, they were so good. Uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, A.J. Allmendinger, and uh, who's the other one? Oh, is he a Bob Walborn, Paul Goldsmith, and Cotton Owens? No, I'm just talking about the race. I'm talking about top five this weekend. Yeah, top five this weekend. weekend. No, so that would have been Lynn Byron, Denny Hamlin, A.J. Allmendinger. I'm slipping on the other two, Tyler. Help me yeah, out. it was somebody else, but man, they were so good. They just their cars were pretty much equal, and man, nobody was making a mistake, you know. And uh, you know, one of the things, um, you know, it, we we're used to seeing more drama on road courses, you know, more uh, somebody trying to outbreak the next guy and get in, you know, get in the corner, and they slam up against somebody else and push them out. We and like Tyler said, it was really a clean race. Uh, we're really, really not really used to seeing clean races on road courses, even though we had one at Indianapolis. Um, but, man, it was, uh, you know, it was a good, clean race. And there was a little drama uh, at the end where uh, I think Austin Dillon uh, moved uh, Cal Larson, and Cal Larson repaid the favor. And, uh, you know, there was not enough of that going on in the race, you know. I – I watched the whole race. I DVR'd it and watched it later that night. Uh, but I was surprised how clean it was. I probably would have liked to seen more drama. Uh, but uh, but it was a clean race. And, uh, and man, just uh, there's really a lot of great road racers that race at the club level. It's amazing how good they are, you know. And uh, it was a clean, undrama race, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was. And, uh, William Byron getting this win. I know that he'd been through kind of a, a summer slump of sorts, if you want to call it that. Since that Atlanta race, uh, he had finished 24th, 14th, 21st, 35th, and 14th. Not his best stretch of the season by any means. And then he responds, getting this win at Watkins Glen in this this way. I mean, 
what what an answer, David, from that 24 team from from William Byron and Rudy Frugal. Uh, Fugel, you know, we've heard from time again, you know, William Byron say, hey, the summer months is not their stretch. For whatever reason, traditionally speaking, they do bad in the summer. And for them to not only just end the slump, but also end it with a win, and for him to win on every style of course this year, to win at mile and a half, to win at plate races, to win on the road courses, I don't know how William Byron can't be the favorite to win this championship the rest of the way here. Heading into the playoffs with one race to go, that 24 team's the team to beat. Well, I, I man, you, you're exactly uh, right, Tyler. He's, you know, if you can win on those different types of racetrack, you are the favorite. I mean, he, I think he's the favorite for the championship in 2023. Uh, you know, he's just, it's been a breakout year for him. It's amazing how strong he's been throughout the whole season. Like you said, he's been in a little, a little bit of a summer slump, but man, what a way to kind of end the regular season with the win at a road course going into the, the playoffs, you know what I mean? So it, not, it might all be coming together at the right time. Timing's right. And, uh, you know, we got one more race this weekend at Daytona and then they'll start the playoffs. And, uh, man, it looks like, uh, you know, they'll have a lot of momentum going into the first race of the playoff, you know. But William Byron and that Hendrick Motorsports organization is definitely the favorite uh, to win the championship. This theirs to lose, I would say. Uh, with that said, Dom, looking at the uh, regular season points playoff picture, it looks like Martin Truex Jr., barring something catastrophic happening, will be your regular season points champion. Denny Hamlin is right there as well. He's about 40 plus back. And then you got William Byron who leads the series and wins. I mean, I'm not taking away from anything Truex or Hamlin have done. Those two have run consistently well throughout the season, but I feel like the 24 team is just on a different level. They're good everywhere. They can win whenever they need at any given time. That's the team to beat. Who's the biggest challenger you think of that 24 team? I would say it's Martin Truex, but you're right. The 24 team, how can you argue against William Byron and the 24 team and how well they've run everywhere? Certainly Truex has done the same, and you can make that argument for Hamlin. But that 24 team has been just a little bit better. They are the lap leaders this year, 876 laps. To Truex is just over 800 laps led. That, that says a lot, especially in an era where this new car has created so much parity and you have a lot of comers and goers, maybe not as much as 2022, but you still have virtually 25 guys that could go out and win on any given Sunday now. And William Byron and that 24 team certainly look like the team to have the championship beaten. They're, the biggest opponent against the 24 team right now, Tyler, is themselves. And heading into the playoffs, you got to think a win at Watkins Glen where William Byron had never won on a road course in the Cup Series prior to Sunday has to give just some natural momentum and a great shot in the arm entering the playoffs, no matter what happens Daytona this Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. David, uh, let's have you chime in here. Who is uh, who's the biggest threat you think to that uh, that 24 team uh, when it comes to winning this championship? I mean, you know, you look at the Gibbs cars, talking about Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin. They've been, they have a lot of speed and they've been consistently up front week in and week out. You know, maybe, they, maybe they're not knocking off the wins, but those, you know, even look at Ty Gibbs and the 54 cup car. I mean, they, you know, it's been impressive this kid, what this kid's doing in his freshman year of a cup driver, 
it's unbelievable. But I think the Gibbs organization with their three cars have been, uh, you know, I might be missing somebody, but if there's somebody that can give William Byron and the Hendrick Motorsports organization a, 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 a threat to challenge him in the play and the, and the championship, I would say it's probably the Gibbs cars. You know what I mean? You look at, uh, you look at track house with Ross, Ross Chastain and, and, um, and, um, what's the teammate's name? Daniel Suarez. Yeah. Daniel Suarez. I mean, those guys had lots and lots of speed, you know, and, and it seems like track heart track house for some reason last, you know, these summer months, they, they've been a little quiet. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm surprised by that because I was thinking, man, they track house, you know, early, you know, about halfway through the season, they looked like they were going to give, William Byron, the Hendrick organization, you know, run for their money for the championship, but they, yeah, they, they've been really quiet over the summer. Ain't really heard much about them. Uh, they about- kicked off the summer in Nashville in June with that win. Yeah, um, and then you know, obviously SVG got that win at Chicago, but it's been kind of quiet ever since. It really has. So. Uh, I don't know. For me, I just look at the Gibbs organization. I think those cars have been consistently uh, uh, have they've had a lot of speed week in and week out. They might not have gotten the the win, you know, for different reasons and circumstances. But it looks like the Gibbs organization will be a threat to uh, to the to the Hendrick organization when it comes down to the to the to the wire. I believe. One more thing that I want to bring up uh, this past weekend, Watkins Glen. Before we move on and and break down the rest of the playoff picture here. Guys, I got to tell you, I was very disappointed in Michael McDowell and the front row motorsports team this weekend. If there was anybody that was just as good, if not better, than the 24 car, it was Michael McDowell and what they brought, what they unloaded. They were fast. They got to the front early. And then not one, but two mistakes on pit road. The team and then Michael himself going into an extra pit stall. Those mistakes that they made there – I mean, we could have easily, Dom, been talking about Michael McDowell winning back-to-back races and dominating back-to-back races, but they got their own way. Not just the, the team, but Michael McDowell made some mistakes. And, you know, obviously that team's taken some huge steps in the right direction, no question about it. But the next step for them is they got to go, got to show the consistency. That was a golden opportunity that they let just go by the wayside last weekend. It makes you wonder, too, Tyler, a team that is not typically in this kind of position to be contending for Wednesday. You know, yes, McDowell, the last two years, performance has stepped up. That FRM 34 team has been in the top 10 a lot, has run top 20 virtually everywhere they go. But when you're in contention to win, you got to wonder if the pressure is getting to the pit crews. And, and maybe David given some insight as a driver, if you're feeling more pressures. We've heard drivers say in the past, racing for 20th versus racing for 10th and 5th, is a whole different animal out on the racetrack. And you got to wonder, Tyler, if that's the case too with the pit crew. And when you're in contention to win and you feel that pressure, maybe it does get to you. We saw it at Sonoma. McDowell had a really good car, could have been up there contending for the win with Martin Truex Jr. And his pit crew cost him on pit road, ultimately cost him a shot at the win. And, and yes, McDowell having the issue on pit road, but then not cleaning up the mistake there, if you want to call it, with the blown motor, the blown engine, and and, and just an all-around team effort. you got to wonder if maybe the pressure has gotten to some of these guys a little bit because they're not used to this kind of pressure. Yeah, you know, 
you just you, when you think of front row motorsports, and like you said, just the last couple of seasons, they've been impressive. You know, uh, they're just getting better and better. And man, Michael McDowell, I've always thought he was a great race car driver, given given the right team, right situation. But man, front row motorsports has done a phenomenal job. Uh, but you know, it goes back again. You know, I don't. They're not the powerhouse that we see in the Hendrick organization or Gibbs, you know. Uh, they're, uh, they're getting close. I mean, they're competing for wins now. And, you know, I, you know, it's understandable uh, that their pit crew, I don't think it's, I don't think it's equal. I don't, if you, if you lined up uh, organizations and their crew members and their pit crew, and I don't think we look at front row motorsports as a, as one that, that really stands out, you know what I mean? I think, I think Michael's a, a, a championship type driver. I think he gets it done, even though he made a mistake. And like you said, you know, uh, you know, even though Michael's capable of winning races and he's one of the, one of the best drivers out there, uh, you know, he's, you know, running, you know, leading two races, uh, winning one and coming back to, Watkins Glen and leading another one, having a car that could could easily win the race. Uh, you know, you just you just made a mistake, you know, and uh, you know, you know, maybe he just you know he just made an honest mistake and uh, maybe just forgot where his pit stall was. You know, you don't know if the spotter was telling him. It's just an honest mistake can happen to any driver. But but you know, I think that team has been impressive. There's a lot more for them to clean up before they're ready to contend for a championship. Uh, but, but man, I've been so impressed with that organization all year long. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, even though there were some mistakes made by the pit crew, uh, I think, you know, uh, from, you know, from, you know, moving forward, uh, they'll be addressing those types of situations to make sure they can get it more competitive I mean, because they got fast cars, they got a great race right. car driver, their cars drive good. They're just going to have to clean up some other stuff and they'll get there, you know what I mean? But I, I don't look at them as a Hendrick or a Gibb or, 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 or Penske organization. No, I, I, I see the pit crew making mistakes, not being as fast. But, you know, over time, that's they're going to correct that, you know what I mean? After those cars being as fast as they've been, uh, winning Indy, almost winning Watkins Glen, I, I just see them – stepping up that, that that pit crew on pit road and, and I, I think we'll see less mistakes in the future by front row motorsports and more wins coming yeah. from. I think so. I think so. So taking a look at the playoff standings now, William Byron with that fifth win puts him at 28 playoff points. Martin Truex in second three wins with 20 playoff points. Truex assuming he wins the regular season championship will get 15 additional playoff points that will bump him ahead of William Byron in the official playoff standings, even if Byron wins the race. Then you got Kyle Busch, three wins, 17 playoff points. Denny Hamlin with two wins, 15 playoff points. Kyle Larson with two wins, 13 playoff points. Chris Buescher with two wins, 11 playoff points. Chastain with one win, 10 playoff points. Reddick with one win, nine playoff points. Blaney with one win, and Lagana with one win, each with eight playoff points. Christopher Bell with one win. Michael McDowell with one win, both with seven playoff points. Ricky Stenhouse with one win and five playoff points. 
Kozlowski and Harvick each clinched playoff spots this last week, even though they don't have wins. Kozlowski's got three playoff points. Kevin Harvick's got one. So now that leaves us to the playoff bubble. Here's where things stand there. Bubba Wallace right now is the last driver in the playoff. He's got a 32-point gap. If it's just on points, Ty Gibbs and Daniel Suarez are still mathematically in contention on points by a slim margin. Ty Gibbs, 32 outs. Daniel Suarez, 43 out. Everyone else, A.J. Allmendinger, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, and others have to win in order to get in the postseason. And uh, 17 drivers uh, are uh, eligible to still make the playoff uh, with a win on Saturday night. So, I know there was a lot to take in, a lot to be said. Dom, let's start with Bubba Wallace here. Bubba, I mean, he was almost crying after <laughs> finishing 12th at the Glen last week. He, it's no secret. And Bubba will be the first to tell you, he is not a good road course racer. Last week, they did what they really needed to do to hold the serve. They lucked out with William Byron getting a win, a repeat winner, not a new first-time winner. Bubba Wallace is one of the best restrictor plate racers out there. I don't think anyone would be surprised if Bubba gets a win or if he finishes top five and we have a repeat winner and and, and locks it in that final playoff spot here. I mean, this is... This is definitely Bubba's to lose at this point. You're not wrong on that. And when you break out on those points even further, assuming there's no new winners behind Bubba Wallace and assuming that he can get more points than Ty Gibbs and Daniel Suarez, all Bubba Wallace needs to do on Saturday night, even if he doesn't claim any stage points, 14th place will get him that magic 23 points he needs to be able to have more points than Ty Gibbs and Daniel Suarez. But again, that's assuming that there's no new winner. And it's hard to believe, Tyler. Here's, here's a guy, Bubba Wallace. I, I've been high on Bubba Wallace since the very beginning. And, and granted, we know his attitude has gotten him in trouble. But when you look all past that and you look at the competitive fire that he has, he sounds like a champion. He talks like a champion. He talks like he's won 20 races. He, he conducts himself with that. And it's hard to believe this guy has not even ever made the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. That changes Saturday night if he can get that 14th place finish or better with no new winners or goes out and wins the whole thing. But we're talking to a guy that has won two races already with 23-11. And Michael Jordan just doesn't give you the endorsement. Denny Hamlin's not going to give you an endorsement if they don't feel like you can go get the job done. Year three, he needs to get the job done and make the playoffs on Saturday. Uh, David, in Bubba Wallace's position, we mentioned 14th or better and no new winner. He locks himself in the playoff. But I don't think Bubba's worried about points. If you're Bubba Wallace, if you're that 23 team, your mind is staying up front, uh, getting those stage points, and going out there and getting the win. If you're Bubba, you're not racing for for race points. You're 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 still racing to get this win because it, it you could have that big 32 point gap, but it's not going to matter if Chase Elliott gets into victory lane. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You, you'd like to be a fly on the wall at the race shop to see what the strategy is going to be. But, you know, I, again, just, just hearing y'all speak about it, uh, you know, I would just think common sense tells you, hey, man, you got to go there to win. You know, you're in Bubba Wallace's shoes, the, the 23-11 team. They, uh, they have nothing to lose. 
you got to go there and try to win the race and it'll all play out like it's supposed to, you know what I mean? But if you're racing to finish in the top 14, I don't think that's safe right now. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I just, I think y'all and you guys are right. And you just got to go, like you said, Bubba Wallace is a phenomenal speedway racer. Uh, his cars have a lot of speed on the super speedways. Uh, you just got to go race your tail off and try to get, you know, try to win. That's, all, that's, that's the way I see it. And, uh, it'll play out like it'll play out, but, uh, but I don't, I think any other strategy, uh, would not be the right strategy if they did that. I know everybody's going to point to Chase Elliott as being the most likely of the 17 drivers to get to victory lane and clinch that playoff spot. But Dom, something has just been off. And, and I know people are going to point to him missing seven races. And I understand that, but that team has not been clicking, has not been on the same page all season. And last week was a perfect example of that. When, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin brought up a good point on his podcast this week, the, the fuel situation when, Alan Gustafson tells Chase to go to the reserves for three laps. Everyone knows those reserves don't last three laps on a, on a road course. That's just not going to work. It's not just Chase. That team, everybody's just off. It's not on the same page. Could they rally and find a way to win? Absolutely, they could. But, I mean, they, they got a lot of demons to get past themselves uh, before figuring it all out and contending for a win because they're they're just not on the same page at all right now. Well, and I think you can make that argument, too, for all these teams that are not going to make the playoffs that were in last year. Tyler, there's six teams right now outside of the playoffs that did that made it in 2022 that are not going to make it in 2023. And, and, and certainly the biggest disappointment of all of that would have to be Chase Elliott, Alan Gustafson, and the number nine team. This is a team that has made the final four, the championship four, three straight years, 2020 series champion. And you see it on social media. There's a lot of people calling for the head of Alan Gustafson. I know he helped deliver the championship in 2020. A lot of fans don't like the calls that he makes with Chase Elliott, but maybe questionable calls or not, Elliott is able to make up for that on the racetrack. And you look at the season, six top fives, nine top tens, 39 laps led. Not a typical Chase Elliott season. That is an above average season for most drivers, but that is a below average season for what Hendrick Motors Sports expects and what Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson and that entire organization expect out of themselves. They miss the playoffs. No one's going to be surprised, but they make the playoffs, Tyler. It really makes you wonder how far they could advance. They could probably get out of the round of 16 and advance to the round of 12, maybe, maybe even the round of eight, but they're just not the team they were in 2020, 2021, or even last year. This is a shell of its former self. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good point. And, the same could be said for Alex Bowman, too. Uh, you know, he had a new crew chief this year in Blake Harris, who came over from uh, Front Row Motorsports. And and that team just hasn't been been clicking at all either. And, and Alex missed a lot of races, you know, with when he had his injury and everything here. David, uh, do you see the 48 or the 9 team pulling a rabbit out of their hat and figuring out uh, by Saturday night? Well, you know, you got to understand who they who they drive for, <laughs> right? I mean, Hendrick Motorsports. You know, I mean, powerhouse team in NASCAR. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you guys. They're the the nine and the uh, forty eight cars. They're they're a little off this year. You know, especially coming back from their injuries, they're a little off. 
can you pinpoint, you know, where they're off? It don't take much in any area of an organization. And uh, because cup, cup racing is so competitive, you know, it's amazing that William Byron is having such a breakout year and, and is a is a favorite to win the championship and how much speed they've had and how well they've run all year long. It's amazing that the teammates hadn't matched that. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, anything's possible. Uh, no matter what's happened, uh, when you go to, to Daytona, I mean, anybody can win that race. Chase Elliott is a super, superb, super speedway racer. Great equipment, great cars. Even though that team has been not as impressive as we're used to seeing that Hendrick Motorsports operation for all these years, uh, they can still get it done. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Alex Bowman's team can get it done, but so many of them can get it done. Uh, but, you know, all it takes is getting that one win and there at Daytona, anything's possible. But, yeah, I definitely agree with you, what y'all are talking about. Those two teams with that organization, it's surprising to see uh, the mistakes and just to see them not – we're not used to seeing what we're seeing. You know what I mean? And uh, it's interesting, you know, and it's playing out in front of us for, Al, you know, Alan to – not know the, you know, gas mileage and flipping a switch to have, you know, a little extra gas and trying to say, hey, you got three more laps. I mean, common sense tells you, man, you that ain't, you know, it's it's interesting, you know. Uh it's kind of unraveling in front of us, you know. But uh, but again, that's a that's a strong organization. It's at so much depth. Jeff Gordon overseeing everything. Uh man, um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Hendrick car win the race Saturday night, uh, but it's open to everybody. It's going to be interesting, but, yes, I agree with you. Those two teams have not performed the way that we're used to seeing them. And, and uh, you know, even if one of them won uh, Saturday night, you know, I'm not real sure how far they would go in the playoffs. So when we talk about dark horses, spoilers who could take one of those playoff spots. Looking at guys that have won playoff, won at these plate races in the past, um, that you got to keep in mind. Austin Sendrick, former Daytona 500 champion. Justin Haley, who's a very good plate racer in his own right. Eric Almarola's won at Daytona and Talladega. Um, Eric Jones has won at Daytona. And then there's one name, Dom, in particular. He has not had a good year at all. One of the worst seasons of his career, but his teammates have been good uh, all season long. They got speed over there. He's one of the best plate racers, and he was in this position last year where he needed to win and get in. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Dom, don't sleep on Austin Dillon. What a season it would be if the number three team could <laughs> right all the wrongs. That Martinsville penalty, the was 75 <laughs> points. They've been mired to what 28th in points, 29th in points. It's not a typical Austin Dillon here. He's one of the six drivers that's looking on that outside looking in. He won this race last year. Had the race been range shortened and had it gone the entire distance like it did, that three car was out front. Now, granted, there was some luck involved, but I'd rather be lucky than good. But he is lucky and good at restricted plate races. He's won the Daytona 500, he's won the July Daytona race. Austin Dillon's a good, solid pick there, Tyler. If you're looking for a fantasy lineup or if you're into sports betting, Austin Dillon may be a good driver on your lineup. 
David, there's some good potential spoilers here. We mentioned Austin Dillon, but guys that have done this before, one win situation. Um, there, there's there's a number of them that could find a way to pull off the upset here. Man, just everything we're talking about, Austin Dillon, you know, Cindric. I mean, that's what makes it going to be such an exciting race Saturday night. You know, so there's but the the you know. Uh, the tensions are high, you know what I mean? And uh, there's a lot at stake. People are going to be very aggressive. It's going to be exciting to watch, that's for sure. And uh, because, man, any, any, you know, like you said earlier, Tyler, you know, I'd say, you know, pretty much anybody has a chance of winning that race, you know. So it's going to be interesting how it all plays out, everybody's strategies. And, uh, you know, and – uh, you know, you're looking at Kevin Harvick, Bubba Wallace, and the ones that are that are, you know, I mean, yeah, I just, I just think it's going to be real exciting. You know, hard to really pinpoint how the race is going to play out and who's going to be up there. I mean, everybody we're talking about, you know, Austin Dillon obviously has a Daytona 500 win, uh, was in the playoffs last year, hasn't had the season that we thought. Uh, we thought he was going to have, you know, to watching the way the three car ran earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, felt like uh, having Kyle Busch come over and join that organization was really going to uh, step up the number three car. Well, it, you know, we just ain't seen the performance out of that team that were that we saw last year. And uh, but, man, Daytona, anything's possible at Daytona. You know, it's uh, there's so many scenarios. Who knows how it's going to play out? That's why we're going to there's going to be. All of us watching and everybody else in the world going to be watching to see who's going to win that race Saturday night. Well, and David, real quick, you raced in this race two years ago. I remember you saying on our show how excited you were to run a cup car at Daytona and working with Tyler Reddick there at the end, the way the cards just rolled out. Just tell us from that driver's perspective what, what that was like to see all these bubble drivers, right? At that time, too, 15, 16 drivers could still have won or away into the playoffs. What was that like, being a part of that field and just being a part of that action? And, and how similar or different was that racing compared to other super speedway races you've been a part of? Man, that was just such a great race. And, uh, you know, it was just for me, it was just fun and exciting. And, you know, it was it was just um, I don't know. I just I loved every minute of it. You know, one of the things from my standpoint and what I was doing, you didn't want to getting away uh, there was a lot at stake and and even though i'm not a full-time cup driver just stepping in pre periodically here and there you didn't we wanted to make sure that you didn't change the race up or you know and but man it was exciting you know but uh but there was definitely uh, uh a lot of tension in the air and the atmosphere before the race started and uh there was a lot at stake you know what i mean and uh um uh, you know, everybody everybody knows how to super speed race, and everybody has an equal opportunity to win. And uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, and uh, only difference is I'll be watching from television, not sitting behind a steering wheel, which I'm saddened about. <laughs> right, right. I, I I totally get that. Uh, with that said, David, I want to ask you this. You know, we got all these guys that are locked into the playoff heading into. Uh, Saturday night, 15 guys, one spot on the line at this point here. If if you're one of these Hendrick guys like like Kyle Larson or William Byron, or if you're a Gibbs guy like, let's say, Truex, Hamlin, Bell, 
and you know Ty Gibbs is on the outside. Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, these guys are on the outside. Is the marching order like you're going to do whatever it takes to get uh, Ty Gibbs to victory lane or Chase Elliott or, or Alex Bowman? Like, do you give up a win to get your teammate in the playoff if it comes down to it? Absolutely not, man. You know, we, our job as a race car driver, every race, when they drop that green flag, there's only one thing on your mind and, and your, your organization, your team. That's to win the race, man. We race every lap, every practice, qualifying, run the race to win the race, you know. Uh, you know, if when it comes down to the end and depending on where you're at, I mean, if you're drafting and helping your teammate, you know, and, and – you know, then then that's a little bit different story. You know, I mean, if you're bump drafting and and you know the way the race is playing out, the end you might, you know, help your teammate. But man, it's every man for themselves. I mean, we're this is big business. We got big sponsorships. Uh, you know, you you want to win for your team. You want to definitely want to win for your sponsors, and you want to win for your manufacturer. Uh, I would just say no because there's. There's a lot at stake for everybody. You know, you got to perform. Uh, you know, y'all know how how the business side of our sport works. I mean, we got to make sure our sponsors are seeing a return on that investment. And they, you know, they might, their contract might be up to sign for, you know, the following couple of years or three years. And man, you, you, I just don't think anybody's mindset is there. You know what I mean? It's every man for themselves. You got to take care of your team, your sponsors, your manufacturing. You got to go out there and win. Even if you have a teammate and you can't go in there, well, I'm going to do everything I can to get my team. I mean, that's just not, that's not a racer's mindset. You know what I mean? At the end of the race, 20 laps to go, 10 laps to go. If you have the opportunity, you know that maybe you're not lined up in the front and you're going to try to help your teammate win the race and you run second, well, that you know, depending on what the circumstances are, where you're at, you know, you could probably push somebody else to win. You're probably going to push your teammate to win. But, man, when that green flag drops, every driver's every driver has one thing in mind, that's to win the race and, and not that, oh, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to get my teammate in the chase. It, it, no, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, with that said, let's uh, let's go ahead and take some get some picks now. Um, you guys know I've I've been on this bit for a while of, of picking Chase Elliott until he wins, get to the playoff. You might call this convenient timing, but I'm off. I'm off the Chase Elliott train. Last week with with what happened, that that to me they they waved the white flag. I can't trust that nine team. <laughs> To figure it out when you can't figure out how much gas you have in the car on a road course and know how the switch works. Um, I mean, I heard Denny say, like, even on a, a mile and a half track, we're lucky to get a lap off the switch. Um, that told me everything I needed to know. I'm not picking Chase. I'll tell you though, what I did like last week, it wasn't his strength, but he found a way to do well. The they've been fast all year. Could have won at Talladega. Bubba wins the race, locks himself in the playoff. I'm going with that 23 car to get the job done. Dom, who you got? Yeah, I guess I'm not going to go as exciting as you. You look at Daytona. You look at the 500. You look at Speedwings. What manufacturer was the fastest? That was Ford. I think we see a Ford pulling a victory lane on Saturday night. 
And as, as much as these cool storylines would be somebody winning their way into the, the, the playoffs, I'm going a little different route. I think we see a driver break a over two year winless streak, get back to victory lane. We were talking about on the show last week about not being a Bill Elliott with the owner driver role, Brad Keselowski, who has won at Daytona in July, will get that dry spell done and get to victory lane Saturday night ahead of the NASCAR playoffs. David, who you got? Well, man, kind of like you, Dominic, I'm going to go with the Ford. And the guy's going to be the last time that he sees that green flag waving to start the race at Daytona. I'm going to pick my buddy Kevin Harvick for his final race of his uh, awesome career. Uh, I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick to win the race Saturday night. Man, David, we we, we got to get Kevin in victory lane before this is all over. He, he's got to go back. <laughs> it's just, we just need one. That's all we're asking for, just one win. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he, he can get it done at Daytona, but he'll have, uh, you know, even if he don't get it done at Daytona, he'll have, you know, what, 10 or 12 more chances at it. So, yeah. Yeah. And Darlington next week is one of his best tracks as well. So Absolutely. We'll look out for that. All right, news and notes time. Plenty to get to uh, on the news and notes front. Dom, set the scene for us. What is going on with 2311 racing? That, that is a great question. I wish I had the answer to that, too, but we can try to paint a picture of what exactly is going on. We call this news notes, and I think we need to put in there in parentheses with the little three dots, the ellipsis, and rumors, because we really don't know what's going on right now. But speculation, and some of our sources around the NASCAR industry are telling us here on Let's Go Racing that we're going to see some major shakeups come 2024. This could include Stuart Haas Racing selling off two of its charters, Denny Hamlin ultimately leaving Joe Gibbs Racing, a team he has called home in the Cup Series since 2005. His entire career has been spent at this team to driving for his own organization at 2311 Racing. To Tyler, 2311 Racing possibly swapping to Ford with potential that executives were seen at Ford in Dearborn, Michigan, talking with executives about the possibility of swapping manufacturers in 2024. So much to impact, Tyler. Where do we even begin? Let's start with Denny. Um, so Denny was speaking to the media this week and he said, I realize I sound very similar to what Kyle Bush was saying around this time a year ago. And we all know what happened. Uh, JGR Toyota said they wanted to keep Kyle Bush, but ultimately they parted ways. He went to Chevrolet and went to RCR and Ty Gibbs got promoted and the rest is history. Now here we are. Denny Hamlin is, uh, you know, in a situation where he would like to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing, they would like to have him there. Toyota would like to have him there. But, you know, if Ford is making this lucrative offer to 2311 here and the sponsorship isn't there for Denny to make the money he wants to make, I mean, it's it's two worlds here, right? I mean, Dom, you can't be having a Ford, you can't own a Ford team and drive a Toyota. That's just not going to fly. He would have no choice at that point but to go to 2311. And if they want to buy the charters, the money's there to put him in one of those cars and make it happen. I know it's all speculation. It's all rumored. It's all early at this point. But, David, if I were to guess, I, I think that it's going to happen. I think 2311 goes to Ford and Denny Hamlin drives for his own team to finish off his career. Well, man, you know, it, it, one thing about it, However, it works out, it's going to be a win-win for Denny. You know what I mean? Even if he if he leaves Joe Gibbs Racing to go drive for his own organization, I mean, 
you know, having, you know, hearing that uh, the Ford is talking with 2311, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you guys, you know, the business side of what we do in, in NASCAR, you know, if, if, you know, if you see Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin step over to the Ford to change manufacturers, go with Ford, dude, that's a big, big, massive financial commitment from Ford uh, that will benefit 2311 big time for years to come, you know, and, uh, you know, is, is Toyota willing to, you know, to, to negotiate that, to try to keep them in their stables, you know, it's all business comes down to, you know, dollars and cents. Um, but, you know, driving for Denny Hamlin, for Denny to drive for his own team with Michael Jordan and, and all the great partners they have, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of variables. There's so many variables, you know, uh, is, is Joe Gibbs, is FedEx staying with Joe Gibbs? What's that contract look like? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, obviously you guys might know a little bit more about it. The, the restructure of Joe Gibbs racing, they brought in, what's the name of the group that, that, that now owns a part of Joe Gibbs racing? What's the name of it? I, I, know I mean, exactly. I, you know, group. you yes. know, there's a sports group that owns, I don't know how much of the percentage they own at Joe Gibbs racing, but you know, things change. Uh, is Joe Gibbs racing willing to, to, uh, accommodate, uh, Denny's salary at the same level or give him a raise. I mean, you know, there's a lot of variables, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's a, and it's a win-win for Denny, no matter what happens, because, you know, 2311, uh, I mean, they are funded, funded well, really probably the, the most funded team in NASCAR pre- cup racing today. Uh, so if for some reason Denny's, you know, doesn't race for Joe Gibbs Racing, I think Denny's going to have an opportunity again to step into his own team, his own cars, and, and be a championship contender right from the start, you know. And uh, I don't think uh, we've heard anything about Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, 20 to 23-11 team, having any difficulties bringing on major sponsorship. I mean, they're very right. well-funded, you know. So it just it's interesting to see it play out in public and, and to see how it's gonna how it's gonna turn out. But it's interesting to the manufacturers, you know. Uh, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that Ford is now a player. Uh, and I know it's all speculations and rumors, but you know, there's got to be some some truth to it, or the rumors wouldn't be swirling out there. But I think Ford. Ford is very competitive, you know, and they, they've been involved in, in auto racing for, you know, a hundred years and, you know, Ford has won their championship, their fair share of racings, and, and they're going to align themselves up with the best racing team organization they can get involved with, you know, and man, hearing what you guys are saying now, we're hearing that Stuart Haas, I mean, it's all speculation might be interested in selling uh, two more charters. I mean, this the, the perfect storm might be lining up to see it all play out like you're talking about. But you know, I guess time will uh, time will tell how it is going to play out. But uh, but I can assure you that if Ford is able to get twenty three eleven to step over to the blue oval side, that's going to be a big deal in our sport. And it's interesting because I would say that the twenty three eleven team would be, be uh, you know if, if this all if this all this speculations or rumor 
happen. I mean, I would think that would be their main team in NASCAR. You know, 23-11 with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin might be their number one team. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about it. So the idea is that Denny would be in one car, and I would think they'd probably go with a young Ford driver, probably somebody like Zane Smith, who absolutely is viewed to be the top young driver in the Ford farm system right now. Zane's got a bright future. He's going to be a star in this sport. Then you have, I think, a rising star in Tyler Reddick. And then Bubba, who's a playoff caliber driver. Bubba's checked all the boxes he needs to. All of a sudden, that is a powerhouse. That is a force to be reckoned with. Two championship caliber drivers in Reddick and Hamlin, playoff caliber in Bubba, and then a rising rookie in Zane Smith. Watch out. Stuart Haas's case, that's where things get interesting. They'd sell their two, two charters here. You got Josh Berry in one car. I would think Chase Briscoe would probably be in the other. Um, you know, Ryan Priest hasn't performed well. Eric Alvarola's talked about retirement. They're going to be losing sponsors. You got Bush Light headed to Trackhouse. Um, you got, of course, Smithfield is tied to Alvarola there. I mean, in, in the Stuart Haas case, let's let's go there real quick, Dom. That's a team that I think they've outstretched their resources at four teams. Like when they were in their heyday, when they were running really good, it was a two or three car operation. You know, Tony's doing his thing with SRX and NHRA and, and, you know, we know Gene's got his thing going on in F1. Like um, it might be best for that organization just to downsize and take that hundred million dollars they could invest it and, just really trying to, to hone in uh, there in that organization. That that could actually – I know downsizing doesn't sound like fun, but that might be what's best for Stuart Hall's racing right now. Well, look what happened with JTG Doherty Racing. They downsized, and, and granted, that's a much smaller scale, not as many wins and as much success as Stuart Haas Racing, but that downsizing and focusing on one car has certainly paid off with that team. Maybe a restructure of some sort is what Stuart Haas Racing needs because this is not the 2014, 2017, even the 2020 team that won nine races with Kevin Harvick. Right, exactly. And then the Joe Gibbs element of all this. Okay, so if the 11 car is gone, if Denny takes and leaves, you know, gets the number 11 with him, then that becomes the 18 again. We've seen Toyota as a deep farm system of drivers but I don't know, Dom, is there – it doesn't seem like there's an obvious pick. I know the John Hunter Nemechek has been linked to Legacy, but I would have to think Joe Gibbs would have first rights to him before Legacy would. I would think so, too. And John Hunter Nemechek seems like he would fit the bill at that organization coming up and, and getting spit up and chewed out by the, the, the Cup Series program in 2020 he was with, going back to trucks, going back to Xfinity, winning all these races. I feel like it's a different John Hunter Nemechek this time around. You figure Joe Gibbs Racing would want something with that. The other one I could think of, Tyler, and this could be a stretch. Curious what David thinks on this one. Maybe Martin Truex Jr. is hanging around another year because maybe his brother would get one more opportunity in the Cup Series. And granted, he ran Cup full-time 10, 11 years ago with a team that ran 30th every week. But they're trying to piece together a full-time deal for Ryan Truex at Joe Gibbs Racing in 24. Maybe Ryan is in the wings for a cup ride there at some point. seems like the Gibbs family, the Gibbs organization, really enjoys having the Truex family around. Yeah, you know, you're on to something there, uh, Dominic. Uh, anything's possible, you know. Uh, it, but it's going to be interesting to see 
all this speculation is, is exciting, really, to see how next year is going to shape up, man. It sounds like to me it's going to be probably one of the most uh, silly seasons ever, you know, most dramatic silly season ever, you know. Um, one of the things I, I, I would mention, uh, 2311, they're building a massive, massive new race shop there in the Charlotte area, and it's it's supposed to be the 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 best Taj Mahal race shop uh, to this point. Uh, you know they might already be in the works. Uh, uh, you know even though they're building this Taj Mahal of a race shop, you know I, I guess they knew maybe this stuff's been going on long before the rumors got out there that they were going to afford team operation, and that's why they're uh, you know building a brand new. Uh, state-of-the-art facility to house four teams, you know, so, uh, but, you know, all that was all speculation and rumors, and, and, and I think as, as the playoffs uh, arrive and we start, you know, watching the playoffs and see what's going on, we'll learn more about, you know, what, what the future of, of next year's season looks like, you know, but there's a, there's a lot of cool news out there, a lot of cool rumors, a lot of cool speculation that keeps everybody's interest, you know what I mean? I'm, unbelievable. I, this is the first I've heard of everything uh, today, and uh, man, it's it's amazing all the rumors and speculations out there. It's exciting, really. One more thing, and then we'll move on. Let me ask you this, David, real quick. Um, with Ford and twenty three eleven, it's August now, almost September, right? Isn't that a quick turnaround to go switching manufacturers in time for twenty twenty four? I know that Ford's got a brand new Mustang next year, uh, you know, in the next gen car anyway. But I mean, can, is it is it even possible? Can you turn around that quick and prepare change your operation like that? That 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 seems like a a short window between now and potentially February. Man, Tyler, you brought up a good point there. You know, my answer would be, uh, you know, I don't have the answer. Uh, you know, when you have the type of resources that Ford brings to an organization like 2311, the technology engineering, just, you know, when you have a manufacturer like Ford coming in to present you the number one powerhouse Ford team on the cup level, you know, and, and everything that Denny and Michael uh, Jordan bring to the table. As an organization, I, I think anything's possible. You know, I think they're probably going to have some some of the best best people, engineering wise, fabrication wise. Uh, I, I I I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't think that's probably going to be an issue. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think it's probably going to be an issue to be honest with you with the way these next gen race cars are. But uh, but you know, it's possible it could be. And again, you know, I don't have all the answers, but, uh, but you know, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know what I mean? I think with the next gen race car and how it's the, the parts and pieces are bought and all that, I think it, it works into the hands. Uh, there is, you know, a short period of time from today until the start of the 2024 season. But the, with the way you buy the parts and pieces today and not build them, I think it plays into a hand of a team changing manufacturers in the middle of the off season and being prepared to get the season kicked off. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make a lot of sense. Dollar, yeah. what else we got going? Well, 
NASCAR fans, well, I guess television fans in general and people who like to watch TV or consume media will have an opportunity to get some more NASCAR into their homes. NASCAR Netflix announced on Tuesday, August 22nd, of an exclusive docuseries that's going to be following the 2023 playoffs and give exclusive access to drivers, teams, and organizations, and what that title run may look like for a team. Now, here's the cool part, Tyler. The people involved in this project have had their hands in other sports Emmy-winning products, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be an executive producer. No surprise, Ben Kennedy, top executive with NASCAR, is also involved and has his hands in this. Anytime there's something with NASCAR and innovation and something different, tend to hear Ben Kennedy and Dale Earnhardt Jr. names like that involved with a project like this. This docuseries, Tyler, is set to air in early 2024, just ahead of the Daytona 500. Man, uh, we've only been wanting this for how many years now? I mean, with all the success of Drive to Survive, the F1 Netflix series. And last year we saw your USA Network did kind of their version with Race to the Championship, and it kind of flopped. Um, it wasn't as authentic as the F1 show, and it was on cable TV that nobody watches. Um, now you put this on Netflix, five-part series. you got good people involved here. Uh, David, I'm excited. Finally, finally something uh, to try to, to reach a, a new audience here. Give them uh, a glimpse of our sport in uh, in in movie documentary form, like like what F1 does. That this is a this is a big win. About time. Absolutely, Tyler. It's about time. And you know the 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 documentary on F1 racing and that sport. Uh, man, they, I have never seen an episode of it, but man, the people I meet on airplanes, the people that live in my neighborhood, people that been to our racing school, man, just all the different people that you, that you, you know, you come face to face with, face to face with over time. It's amazing how many, uh, that know you're associated with NASCAR, man, people will share with you how much they love the F1 documentary. I've never seen it, but man, people love what F1 did. And and you guys know more about that than I do, but I can assure you that a lot of people in my neighborhood that have know nothing or aren't fans of any kind of auto racing love this F1 documentary. I think what's it called? Driven? Uh Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive. It's it's amazing, man. And uh yeah, if NASCAR could do something very similar and really get in depth with the, with the teams, the drivers, however that F1 Driver Survive uh, documentary was, if NASCAR could do the same thing, man, it was sure. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind it would bring new faith, new eyeballs, new fans to our sport. And uh, I think. Uh, Hearing everything y'all are saying, I think it's, it's a win-win for all of us. I think it's going to be great for our sport. Well, Dominic, I, I like, too, the the emphasis on the playoff and the championship hunt. I mean, we, we don't, I think, talk about it enough, how intense and how tough this playoff system is and how much it takes out of you here. I mean, every week matters, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen week to week. You know, the, the old point system, we had times where guys clinched championship before we even got to the final race. I mean, this is, this is something else. Um, I'm glad to see 
uh, that viewers are going to get an inside glimpse of just how how tough this is. I think the the the, the playoff is the perfect platform for for this type of story to be told. I agree 100. I think to take that a step further. This new, well, not new. It's been now 20 seasons we've had a playoff format and NASCAR trying to be more like a ball and stick sport in that perspective. This stuff is made for TV. You can call it excitement, artificial excitement, whatever you want to call it. It is exciting. It is awesome to tune in and think, okay, 17 drivers could clinch a playoff spot this weekend. And then as you advance, 16 races or 10 races, 16 drivers, 12 drivers, eight, and then four for a winner-take-all thing. It is certainly made for TV. It is certainly made for entertainment. It is very entertaining. And that behind-the-scenes access is going to be pretty cool. I was reading, too, Tyler, that we're going to see perspective from drivers like away from the track and that personal kind of things that they do away and how they decompress. It's going to be pretty cool to see what that insight looks like. And, and I think fans are going to really appreciate that too. I think all of us are going to be able to appreciate and everybody having that wall and that, that guard up just a little bit lower than what it typically would be with a series like this. Uh, time for our final segment. Uh, ask David, we're asking you to, to submit questions to us uh, on a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, facebook.com slash star podcast, Twitter at star podcast, and by email. David Star Podcast at gmail.com. A couple of questions in the inbox this week. And our first question in the inbox uh, comes from Clint. And Clint wants to know, David, with the new cameras in the rear windshield of the next-gen car, how important is the, is the spotter still to the race car driver? Oh, still, still important. You know, even though the cameras are incredible, you know, most, most, most drivers are focused what's going on in front of us, not what's happening behind us, you know? So uh, even though the camera is unbelievable, the, the quality, uh, the clarity is incredible. Uh, you know, you're focused on trying to pass the guy in front of you and not what's going on behind you. So the spotter is, is still just as important as he was if we had our, our original rear view mirror in the race car. So even though the camera quality is incredible, the technology with all that is, is over the top. The clarity is unbelievable. Your spotter will, will be and will always be important as they ever were, no matter what kind of camera you have in the, uh, in the race car. Who's been some of your uh, favorite spotters or some of the guys you've worked with over the years, David? Oh, man, there's been, man, I've had so many of them, you know, but, man, there's been some great ones, you know. And not only do I, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that this, you know, I'm driving my tail off, focus on what's going on. And, and uh, but man, uh, Randy, there's a, there a guy that spotted for me, and I was with Jimmy, Jimmy Means. His name was Randy. I forget Randy's last name, but – I think he still spots for one of the cup guys today. He was, he was phenomenal. You know, there's just been so many great spotters and it's amazing. Uh, you know, the, having such a great spotter that, that races with you and kind of, you know, from a bird's eye view helps you, uh, you know, they're focused on uh, the strategies of your competitors. Uh, they're watching somebody else's line to see, you know, if, the, if they pick up time, uh, you know, it just, you know, it clears you when you pass somebody or you get past to, to, to just give you the information you need to race as hard as you race. Uh, uh, but man, the, one of the key success of the organization is having a great spotter and, and, uh, man for every, every race team out there. 
Yeah, uh, that's that's a great point. Uh, with those spotters, I I I don't know how you feel, David. I don't know if you've done any spotting before or not, but I feel like there would be a lot of pressure with that job. I mean, that's that's intense. We talk about being in the race car or you know crew chief. Some of these calls here. I mean, spotting you're you're talking life or death. I mean, these are these are tough situations of what these spotters are doing doing and the timing and how quick you got to react here. That's a lot of pressure being a spotter. Dude, it's so intense. And, and man, a, a great spotter is everything, man. Every, every dime they're paid is worth it, uh, you know, especially for Daytona Saturday night. I mean, the spotters are incredible. The type of information they give you, uh, it, it, it just, it's almost like you can't race without them. They're so good. And, and, uh, it's, 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 it's just amazing. You know, it's, uh, yeah, you just, uh, there's so much information they give you good information that, that really makes a different at, at how the race plays out, you know? And, uh, but man, there's, uh, a, they're a great spotter is priceless, man. You, if you, uh, you know, everyone's important to their driver, you know, and, and a lot of the, you know, we talk about driver and crew chief pairs uh, that have been together for years. Uh, there's spotters and spotters and drivers have been together for a long time, you know, but just a, a really key element to the success of a racing team is everybody's spotter, man. It, their, their role is so, so important. Dominic, uh, if I let you choose any role in an NASCAR team other than a driver and an owner, if you could be on the crew, what, spot you taking you're gonna be the crew chief you're gonna be the spotter the jack man gas man what are you choosing if you could choose one can't hear you Dom. oh my bad there we go i would say picking the crew there chief. you go turn your mic on next time you talk yeah, come on now that's <laughs> strike two tonight guys that is strike two for dominic but i would pick the crew chief role because i think it'd be really cool to be just immersed in the technology of the car you have to know under the hood you have to know the strengths and weaknesses of everybody on your crew and how to play to that and how to get the best out of them you have to be monitoring the driver you have to be adapting to what the driver is doing behind the wheel and monitoring strategy i feel like there would be a lot of balance of logistics and trying to get a lot figured out and, and doing the best for your team and there's a lot of weight and, and pressure on that position you are essentially the quarterback of the team and i feel like i would be up for a challenge like that tyler David, if if you weren't driving the car, what what would you would you want to be uh, of any of those positions on the pit crew? Man, that's a great question. You know, um, yeah, just I, I like kind of what Dominic. I'd like to be the crew chief. You know, I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, you are the quarterback of the organization. I mean, logistics on the competition side, strategy, budgets, people. I mean, there's so many areas of expertise that you have to, uh, uh, you know, bring together to make it all work, you know. Uh, you know, making sure, you know, just, golly, putting together a great, a great team of men and women that can work together and, under adversity, uh, under the extreme pressure that this sport brings to you, uh, you know, you want people that under pressure can 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 think and and do flawlessly. You know, at their job, 110 percent. I mean, 
putting a putting a putting a racing team together with the right people. I mean, just the crew chief. There's so many, uh, you know, the knowledge of of uh, working with the engineer, taking the engineer uh, engineering mind and and put it, you know, and, and utilizing everything, all the tools in the toolbox per se, and just building a safe, fast race car that can win races. It's just, man, these guys, I mean, these these crew chiefs, the crew chiefs, these cup teams, man. I can assure you that there are some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant minds and sharp, sharp people that are that are that are in these roles. I, the crew chief, as fun as that would be, I'm not a math guy. I don't know if I need to be uh, the, the crew chief uh, in making those those type of decisions. Uh, although I, I'll I'll say this much: uh, I wouldn't be leaving my driver out with three laps on the switch uh, if I'm the crew chief. Well, I'm not going to admit. I want to say, you know, I want to tell you that, you know, in the past, you know, a lot of times the engineering's responsibility, the engineer or engineer's responsibility is to keep up with the fuel mileage, you know, of, of, yeah. of the race. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, so, yeah, the crew chief obviously has the, you know, the, the they control it all. They're res- responsible for everything, but it's usually the the engineers that keep up with the fuel mileage and, uh, and not the crew chief. So, okay. you know, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I think I'd like, <laughs> to be, I'd like to be the gas man, you know, no, no, you don't get to wear an iron apron anywhere else, you know, I mean, like that's <laughs> uh, that's great, man. the next question coming in from Steve, Steve wants to know, David, how often, do you guys see NASCAR fans in public where you live, supporting shirts, NASCAR hats, et cetera? Man, that's a great question, Steve. Uh, man, we see a lot of race fans in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Houston. Uh, uh, when we're out and about eating lunch, going to dinners, or going to a movie, or on a date with, you know, I, I uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting because, uh, you know, just, you know, it'd be weird places in the mall or, at a restaurant or, you know, at an auto supply store and somebody said, Hey man, are you, are you, do you race cars? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, it's very interesting, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and all the, all the race fans that we have in Texas, you know, I just see people wearing, you know, just a, a collared business shirt that has the Texas motor speedway or the, the SMI tracks logo on it, you know, and I, I see a lot of Indianapolis shirts, you know, with the little, uh, with the little, uh, the Indy uh, logo on their shirts and lots and lots of t-shirts, but man, what a great question. Just, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Uh, I think we were at six flags one time and my oldest son, dad, the guy has your shirt on over there. It's like, no. Yeah. So somebody was wearing a David star race, the old one, you know what I mean? They, and it looked pretty good still, which, kind of a weird thing that happens, but, you know, hey, uh, you know, and, and all the drivers, everybody competes at the level we compete at. I mean, you know, we're so fortunate, all of us, you guys, myself, to be part of such a great sport that has a huge following, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I don't know, certain parts of the country you go to, man, you know, when you fly in to this city or this city, if you were this there for a sponsor meeting or doing an appearance or something, <laughs> You know, some some cities I, I see more race apparel than others. You know, but uh, but it's kind of interesting. But there's a lot of race fans in the United States. It's amazing, man, to me. 
I, I love when when I see somebody that's wearing something of a, a driver with a slogan or something like if I see somebody wearing Dale Jr. stuff, I'm going to go out of my way to tell them Dale. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, if I see somebody wearing Dale Sr. stuff, I'll go out of my way to tell them raise hell, praise Dale. You know, <laughs> like that's what I love seeing. Uh, and it happens uh, more often than people think. The other thing, Dom, I bet you can relate to this. I'm noticing a lot of people around our age are, are taking in like the NASCAR retro vibe of sorts of, you know, you're seeing more, even from non-NASCAR fans, the throwback jackets uh, to some of the, the stuff of yesteryear from, you know, the seventies, eighties and nineties, that type of stuff is trendy and people are, are wearing, you know, it, you might see somebody wearing a, a classic old school Elliot Sadler, M&M's jacket or, a Dale Earnhardt number three. I mean, and maybe even do a club or something. You know, it, it's pretty cool. Like, I, I, I love it. Uh, it happens more often than I think people realize, Tom. I think so. I think there's something to be said about that style. And I, I can tell you guys from, from experience, I have a 1994, 1995 Jeff Bodine Excite Batteries jacket. I think you've seen me wear it, Tyler. It's got the black and one sleeve is a light blue. The other sleeve is like a pinkish color, like kind of like what his car looked like. And it's got some checkered flags on it. I will say out of everything I've ever worn in my life, I've never gotten so many compliments as when I've wore that jacket before in public. And it, it's cool out here, Tyler. You don't see a lot of NASCAR fans, but I am pleasantly surprised. Once every few weeks, you'll see somebody here in Northwest New Mexico wearing a Jeff Gordon shirt or some sort of throwback. I saw a Casey Mears 42 shirt a while back. I thought that was pretty cool and obscure. You don't, you don't see that a lot, but I'm definitely pleasantly surprised. I think there are more fans out here than I realized. And yeah. you know, I, let me, let me mention one more thing. What I see a lot of, a lot of uh, apparel as well. I say apparel t-shirts. Um, I see a lot of uh, sprint car racing, late model dirt cars. Yes apparel shirts you know there's a, there's a lot of auto racing dirt track short track sprint car dirt late model there's a lot of apparel out there and i love seeing that you know i, I love uh when people are proud to to back a world of outlaw sprint car driver or a uh, you know a dirt late model driver it's really cool uh, i i love seeing that you know and a lot of times when I see that, I'll have the opportunity, you know, I'll, I'll say, hey, man, is, is uh, you know, is you big dirt guy, you know, you, you like, you follow dirt racing and, you know, you, you really uh, meet people when you, when you ask them about their t-shirts, you know, man, it's pretty cool. And, and a lot of them know the racer, that's who they support or their family members. It's just, I, I think it's cool, but I see a lot of that, a lot of uh, sprint car, uh and, and dirt car uh, shirts out there that people wearing in public. It's pretty cool. So along those lines, funny story, David. Uh, I don't know if you know this guy or not. Uh, sprint car driver Brady Bacon. Um, he's from my hometown of Broken Arrow outside of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while in the Tulsa area, I see a, a, t a Brady Bacon T-shirt or bumper sticker on a car or something and my mind's like whoa these people know brady bacon he's a three-time usac champion i mean you got to be even if you're from broken arrow and everything i mean you got to be a diehard to know who brady bacon is and the fact that like i see it every now and then 
people wearing Brady bacon gear. I'm like, okay, this person, this is a, this is a real one. This, this is a real fan here. You know, if they're wearing Brady bacon stuff. No, I love it, man. You, 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 man, just the grassroots and USAC's a big deal. I mean, it's a big falling and USAC sprint cars and, you know, USAC itself. I mean, that's a, that's a huge racing series. And, uh, man, it's cool that, that the, the fans back their, their driver, you know what I mean? And, uh, it's cool to see that. It's cool to see the bumper stickers. It's good to see, cool to see them, the t-shirts, but, uh, this Brady guy must be pretty damn good. You see quite often, you know, that's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. Three-time champion. Uh, yeah. he's been in the chili bowl and all the big, uh, races. Oh, yeah. We'll have to get Brady on the show one of these days or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, with that, guys, uh, we'll sign off. We'll get out of here. Great show today. We had so much to talk about, a lot of news to get to, final race before the playoffs. We'll be back next week with our full playoff preview. As we'll know, the 16 drivers competing for the NASCAR Cup Series Championship. We will break that down next week. Look forward to that. Big thanks to you, the listener, for joining us, for hanging out here on this edition of Let's Go Racing. As always, subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit the like button as well, and we certainly would appreciate it. Also, uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash starpodcast, Twitter at starpodcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can find all of us there. Before we go real quick, we're out of the road. What's going on this week? Dom, starting with you. I'll be home in in Grants, New Mexico, spending time with the family, and it's going to be nice to, to be able to watch Daytona from the couch. Certainly, wish I was going to be there. Been there once to the July Daytona race. I guess it's now it's an August race, but good nonetheless. Going to be a good time to watch from home, and looking forward to that. How about you guys? I'll be uh, enjoying the weekend at home, um, but don't worry. The summer of Jones continues next week. Uh, as uh, I'll be in the Oklahoma City area for uh, Labor Day weekend. So that's what I'm up to. David, what's going on with you? Uh, you're not in Daytona, but I know you're excited to be watching on Saturday night. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Just, uh, you know, just just busy working. Uh, we got one sponsor meeting on uh, Thursday afternoon and then just just continue to working on our, uh, our race cars at Team Texas, getting ready for our next racing school. And uh, we'll be tuned in this weekend from Daytona, man. It's going to be an exciting Exciting weekend of racing, that's for sure. No doubt about it. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode. For David Starr, Dominic Alagon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.